Running comps as an investor is today's topic on today's episode. You are listening to the Champion Hustle podcast. Play to succeed in business and in life. Featuring Levi Hunsaker and Ryan Black. Hello and welcome to the Champion Hustle podcast. This is episode number 20. My name is Ryan Black. And my name is Levi Hunsaker. And welcome out. Today we're going to be deep diving into what are comps, why do we run them, and how we do it as real estate investors. But before we dive in, Levi, we should share once again a reminder about our new seven-day Champion Hustle Bootcamp. So you guys, if you haven't heard, we mentioned we launched it last week, but we have, go to our website, championhustle.com, and you'll see there there's a banner. Simply enter your name and your email, and you can sign up for our seven-day quick start boot camp, absolutely free. And we're going to take you through seven of our favorite trainings with interactive exercises to help you take your business to the next level. So go and check that out. Okay? Now, yes. <laughs> one thing that I want to touch before we even get into the, the detail of the meat and potatoes today is we're talking about real estate investing again, right? Like we talk about business, we talk about mindset, we talk about a lot of different things on this podcast. But as you may have noticed, regularly we talk about real estate investing. Obviously, that's our business, right? That's our primary business that we run is real estate investing. But you may be wondering why. Like, why are we so adamant about real estate investing when we're talking to people who have businesses in all different areas? It's because regardless of where you make your money or how you make your money, you should invest that money in real estate. That's where you should hold it. It is such an incredible investment vehicle that we feel so strongly. That's why we keep talking about it because you could be, I mean, you could be a dentist, you could have a little restaurant or a corner store, you could sell things online, it doesn't matter. What are you gonna do with that revenue? Throw it into real estate because that is a solid long-term investment that when you do it right, can pay incredible dividends. So if you're wondering why do we keep talking about real estate, that's why. Obviously we're passionate about it, this is what we do but we see the value for you as well, for you, the listener, in getting involved in real estate investing, even if it's on a small scale, regardless of what your focus is in your primary business. Yeah, and we've, we've talked about this before. We have actually a prior episode talking about the four plans that every business owner should have. You know, you gotta have your business plan, your strategic plan, your marketing plan, and the last one is your deployment plan. What do you do with the money you get after you get it? Do you just go blow it on an, uh, a new fancy truck or do that you spend like it? Well, it, it can be fun, <laughs> but do you spend your money on assets or on liabilities? A truck, if used properly, can be an asset. As long as it makes you money, it's an asset. If it's taking money out of your pocket, it's a liability. So we talk about setting yourselves up for the long term by creating additional income streams through storing your profits in a different type of income stream besides your business. Now you have two income streams and you are able to better weather storms like what's going on right now when you have different income streams paying you. Absolutely. Amen. So Levi, what is to dive into the topic of today for comps? You know, we talk about we're going to how do we run comps as an investor? First, before we get started, what is a comp? <laughs> That may be a new well, term that people are like, I don't know what that means. So what is, when we're talking about running comps or pulling comps, what exactly does that mean? What is that word? So yeah, it's it's a shortened term in, used in real estate, talking about comparative analysis. 
of the market as a whole. So basically what you're doing is if you've got a property, you want to understand what is its value in relationship to the rest of the properties around it. And you know, we'll get in more into the details of that, but one of the things that we're going to be are looking at is fair market value is what is it worth today versus what can we make it worth in the future. That's what we're really concerned about as an investor. If we look at something and the fair market value is the same as what the ARV would be in the future, that's not an investment property. Right, and, and to clarify, so fair market value is commonly, we refer to that as FMV, and then after repair value, we commonly refer to as ARV. So if you hear us using these acronyms, <laughs> sorry, sometimes we <laughs> we forget and we get a little too crazy with all the jargon. So FMV is the current, as Levi said, current fair market value, ARV, after repair value, the value of the property after we've made improvements. And and yeah, the, the, the comparative analysis, the market analysis or, or comparables, sometimes you know we refer to them as polling comparables, polling comps. Um, one thing that's important to remember is it is a it is an analysis, but it's also a projection, because if we, when you pull when you run comps and you run an analysis, you're taking a snapshot of that property's value at this point in time, and there are certain market variables or changes that could affect that, right? It's not a guarantee. It's simply this is the value if this property were to sell today, the market would support this price. That's all it is. It's not a guarantee for future value. Uh, be it higher or lower, it is simply what it is right now. Well, and you've got to remember that a, a comp is just an educated guess. Even an appraiser, when they come and appraise your house and set a value for it, that is just a guess. That's their best guess on what a value is worth. Yep. And in reality, a property can have a swing of, you know, tens of thousands of dollars lower or higher to, you know, even higher than that, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars lower and higher if you're in, you know, a high-end market. And well, oh, oh, <laughs> see now so, we're interrupting each other. This is that's right. Great. <laughs> we we have so many thoughts and ideas on this because this is what we are passionate about. We love this topic. Um, one of the things that I also wanted to mention is there are different ways of doing comps for residential properties. This is what most people are familiar with because most people have at least seen the process of buying or selling a home. Now, when you get into commercial properties, it, maybe that's a storefront, maybe that's a warehouse, maybe that's even a multifamily property. Those are all considered commercial properties. As long as it's got four doors or more, or five doors or more, then it's considered a commercial property. And that valuation is actually based on an income approach. Uh, my personal opinion, there are brokers and, and things in the commercial space that will try to get you to go best uh, based on recent sales on a commercial property, I do not recommend that approach. Really look at the income because that is what determines the value that you're going to get out of the property. So you wanna make sure you're looking at it based on the type of property and what you're gonna be doing. Now, today we're gonna be focused on uh, residential properties, but just wanted to make that note and throw that out there. Yeah, thank you for clarifying. Because yeah, we're not we're not basing our comps today off of the NOI. We're basing it off of <laughs> residential property values, which is a whole different ballgame. We love commercial. We NOI commercial. is net operating income. There's one of those ac acronyms that got thrown out again. <laughs> so why why do we run comps, right? Why what is the purpose for why we actually do it? For those couple of reasons. One is we want to ensure if we're if we're acquiring a property, are we paying 
an appropriate amount, right? If the fair market value for a property right now is 200,000 and we're going to pick it up for 300,000, obviously that's not a good deal. Well, and, and I mean, generally, there's always an exclusion <laughs> to every rule, right? But um, uh, in general, that's not a good deal. So we want to make sure that we are, are buying our sell or on par with what the market is. So we see future upside in the property, depending on how long we're going to hold it. It could be a short term, you know, one or two, three month turnaround, or it could be something that we want to add into the portfolio and keep for years or even decades. And so the running by running comps, it allows you to rather than guessing or just assuming, oh, well, this is probably what it's worth. It sounds like a good deal. You compare that property's value now and in the future to the market and what the market will support. And that's really, really important because anybody can ask any price for any property. But what will the market support? Unless there's that, once again, extenuating circumstances, you are only going to be able to, to, re, to ask and actually receive within a certain range a specific amount for that property because that's what the market holds. Everyone always thinks their house is worth way more than it is because it has <laughs> sentimental value. It doesn't matter what you feel. What matters what the market will actually support. So there's a lot of different people that will be running comps, right? Levi, what are some of the different folks besides investors that run comps? Well, you got to start with your professionals, right? You've got your real estate agents. You have your real estate brokers. Now those could be commercial or residential, but uh, appraisers also run comps because they get paid by the banks to make sure the bank's asset is protected. And and I guess one more thought on why we run comps is you don't wanna just go get involved in a $100,000 or hundreds of thousands of dollars transaction without at least being educated. Every investment carries risk, but if you're flying blind, you are at way more risk than if you have some education and some, some tools in your belt that are gonna help you know that you are better protected in that investment. Exactly. There's, there's as knowledge increases, behavior changes, but as knowledge increases, you also decrease your risk. Exactly. And, and the last one is, it's us, investors. We can run our own comps. Now, the appraisers, agents, brokers, those are good people to have to build relationships with because you can actually work out a deal with them. And, and a lot of agents and brokers, they're going to be able to do an appraisal or, or at least a comparative market analysis, not an appraisal for, for free. But CMA. if you do <laughs> CMA, if you do that a lot, though, they're not going to want to keep working with you if you're not buying properties. And so this is why as an investor, it's crucial to be able to run your own comps and have at least an idea of where a property is before you get involved. Now, this is one of the cool things is that you can run your own comp, put an offer on a property after it gets accepted, get an opinion from a broker and an agent. And that's a good way to get, a, you know, get that second opinion and get a check and a balance on what you were thinking to make sure that you're in the right spot. Well, and, and that's really important because, you know, another term BPO, which is broker's price opinion, that's very common. But the key word there is opinion. <laughs> <laughs> right. When you're doing an analysis, when you're running comps, it is your opinion. And so if you're acquiring a property and you run your own comps and then you have, you know, a couple other folks that you have relationships with, they run comps. You're going to hope that you all come in pretty close. If if you're way off or you know one of them is way off, that's going to be cause for pause to say, what's going on? Why are we so different? 
because it is there is variation there is there are multiple ways of running that cma or running that uh you know running those comps to see where your valuation is at um, but it's not an exact science even for the appraisers people i think sometimes tend to have the notion that you know oh appraisers they're the you know that's the 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 bible the the you know that's the definitive definition of the property value no it's not they do exactly what we do they go and they pull comps they run they go through the exact same process bible i meant gospel (laughs) that's the gospel that's not that's not the ultimate truth it is simply that they do the same thing that we do so it's it's open to interpretation and open to opinion yeah, and, and I mean, they may have some tools and some resources available that we don't have to us, but we're basically doing the same thing. You are finding similar properties and essentially trying to derive the value of your property based on those similar properties. Exactly. And, and so what are some of those, uh, what are some of those things when, you know, when you're comparing your property to other similar properties, what are some of those factors that we're going to be looking at? Um, well, so some of the things that we're going to look at is, does it have a garage or not? What is the square footage? How many bedrooms and bathrooms does it have? What is the size of the property, the lot that it's sitting on? You know, all of these things are going to be big factors. And, and another one that you want to kind of consider is, is it a similar type of home, right? You don't want to go compare a two story to a rambler if you can find different properties to compare against. If those are your only options. Uh, I guess it'll do in a pinch, but you will really want to find properties as similar to the look and feel of the property that you have as you can. And another one that's important to consider is age. You have actual age and effective age, which can be misleading because if you have a property, let's say that was built a hundred years ago and then it's been renovated, you know, it was renovated five years ago. The actual age would be, you know, 1920, but the effective age could be 2015 because all the you know all the plumbing, all the electrical, everything's been updated. And so that can get a little bit hairy, but you do want to make sure that at least you're you're running, you know, similar comps against something that's aged similarly because a house built in the 70s as far as technology, engineering, everything else is very different than a house that was built 5 years ago. So that age is yeah. also a big important one. And, and remember that the age of the property, if you are doing a major rehab on the property, that age of the property, if it was built 100 years ago, there's going to be pieces of it, basically your framing and other things like that that are going to stick around. But everything else inside of it is pretty much going to be new today. Right. Well, and that's why it's so important, right? When, we, when we're running our comps and pulling the ARV is making sure that we're comparing that to, let's say, you know, properties that were in the same area that were built in 1920s, but that have been renovated within the last couple of years, because those will be accurate because they're both their actual age as well as the effective age will be the same as what we're in, in the example of using this as a fix and flip, right? If we're, if we're doing a fix and flip and uh, we're running comps for that, you just, you just want to make sure that you're on par with all of those things, all of the aspects you mentioned garage. That's really important. Does it have a carport, garage? In certain areas of the country, it can be a huge deal. Does it have a swimming pool, right? Because if every single house in the neighborhood, if you're in you know, New Mexico, Arizona, one of those places, <laughs> right? I mean, it's a big deal in, in some, Vegas. Some places that's considered a must have. Absolutely. And so if you don't have that, that's a problem. 
That's going to be yeah. a big problem. And so you really got to look and see and dive in. Running the analysis does take longer at first, like with anything. Practice makes perfect. So as you do it more, you're going to get faster and faster at it. Um, but you also, in addition to the property, uh, kind of the, the attributes of the property, what are some other things, Levi, that you want to look at in comparing, you know, this, the, the subject property versus the comparables? Yeah, so this one is kind of an uncommon one. People don't think about this a lot. Is Maybe you're in an HOA and there are amenities. Does it have a pool, basketball court, tennis courts, these types of things? Does it have common property, even a clubhouse? Because those can increase the value of the property. Now, for some people that don't want an HOA, they're just going to steer clear of it anyway. But the people that are okay with being in an HOA, those things can add value because they get derived benefit out of being a member of that HOA. Devil's advocate here. <laughs> One thing that you got to watch out for is depending, let's say that, that you're, you have some type of a complex, you know, be it condos or well, let's go with condos. Cause that'd be more common. First time home buyers, right? You have a condo complex that's geared towards or townhomes towards first time home buyers. And they are, uh, you know, typically first time home buyers, they're a little more kind of stretched thin as far as being able to make that monthly payment work. That's one cons important consideration, whether you're doing a fix and flip or you're you know, looking to pick something up and resell it on seller financing or you know, several other options. You want to make sure if you have a $200 or $300 a month HOA because they have the fitness facility and the pool and the private park and all that other stuff, that can severely limit your buyer's pool. And so absolutely, I, I guess I'm agreeing with you, but I'm also <laughs> so I, I guess it's, I'm not. Really it's just something to watch out for, right? Something yeah. to think about exactly. because it, it just changes values and people's desire or ability to buy in that area, or or their ability to qualify, right? Yeah. If they're, I mean, if if you're thinking, okay, well, I'm going to price this property, I'm going to turn around and resell it, and I'm going to price it at 180, right? Which then puts with current market, you know. Uh, rates, lending rates puts their payment at X amount per month. And the majority of the demographic that is first time home buyers in this area would qualify for that with their income level. But then when you increase that by a significant amount, you know, by 300 bucks a month, because the HOA, all of a sudden, a bunch of your buyers are no longer going to qualify. And so I just, I've seen it before. And so that's why I mention it of be careful, particularly if you're working with properties that are going to be going to first-time home buyers, some of those extra ancillary costs that could um, basically wipe out your end buyer. Even though they love the home and they want it, it could wipe them out because they won't qualify. Yeah. So any other um, property characteristics you want to talk about before we move on a little bit? Um, no, I mean, I think you talked about uh, property style. That's, that's a big one. You can even go... There's really, so it's tricky because this really depends on the area, right? Um, but you, even if you have, let's say, all the homes in one neighborhood are all brick exterior, and then you've got one that's vinyl siding, that's going to be different, right? So yeah. you, even you can get really, really granular. The the primary ones that that Levi mentioned a, a few minutes ago, those are the key ones you want to dial in on. The other things that you want to look at though is not just the property attributes, but you want to look at what um, what properties am I comparing it with geographically? 
So we start Definitely. with a pretty small radius. So you say, you, know, you have the subject property that you're using, and then from there, you kind of imagine a circle. You go out about a half a mile. And you say, okay, what properties within this area, half a mile, within the last three months that have sold, um, not that are listed. I mean, you can look at currently active properties, but really we're focused on solds. What were they were actually sold that meet all those parameters. What did they sell for? And if you're unable to locate within a half a mile in three months, you slowly start expanding that out until you can get, you know, a... Uh, enough comps. So maybe you have to go out six months because not a lot of properties sell, or maybe you have to go out a mile or a mile and a half, right? It just depends. There's a lot of it depends <laughs> on running comps on the area in which you're investing. Um, but the idea is you want to start small and then, you know, go, go wider. Cause you don't need, I mean, you don't need 50 different comps. You're not going to want that, but you, you, you need more than two. <laughs> Right. So typically, uh, I don't know about you, Levi, but I typically like to see somewhere between, you know, 10 to 20 comps for me, you know, 10 to 20 comparable properties that gives me a good idea that, okay, you have enough data to be able to, to, to determine what you're looking at is, is solid. Yeah. I mean, there, there's definitely a minimum, right? For me, I would say if you are just struggling to find good comps, I would not go be below three comps, ever. And so you just got to make sure that you've got that. Um, I like to see it up around six to 10 comps, really, for, for myself. Everybody gets to decide their risk level, right? It's how many other properties and how much time do you want to spend looking at all these other comps before you go make your offer. And, and, and I guess you can look at those there is the comp you run before you make an offer because that can just be very granular. Um, it you're, you're just, am I in the right ballpark? Once it's under contract, we know how to write contracts to give us escape clauses to get out of that contract if right. we just see that it's just not going to work for us. So, you know, there, there's always the ways to get out. So you just do your rough analysis and then you're gonna go do, part of your due diligence is actually confirming what you thought. Basically, you're going to find, look for reasons why you shouldn't buy the house in your due diligence. And in your initial process of running comps and submitting an offer, you're actually gonna be just say, hey, does this even, is, am I even in the ballpark? Submit the offer. Right. Well, and that, I think due diligence, that would be a great topic for a future episode. I think we yes, have it, it would. Our, I think we actually have it on our list of, of upcoming episodes. But um, one thing that just popped in my mind is sometimes you'll see, you know, billboards or uh, you know, different advertisements for, for, for realtors. And they say, you know, free home market analysis or free value analysis. Guess what? All they're doing is <laughs> running comps. <laughs> they're doing a CMA on your house to see what your, your current value is as of today on the property. So it's, it's, it mystifies people, especially newer investors when they're first getting started. Oh, it's so complex. Not really. <laughs> we, we, it, we've it takes practice. It. Yeah, it, it does. It takes practice. And, and we have simplified some of the details for, uh, you know, to kind of adapt this into the format of our podcast, because we only have about 30 minutes for each episode. But uh, it's once you learn, I mean, once you really know how to do it and you practice, it's not hard. It's not hard. Now, one thing, Levi, that we haven't covered is we've looked at, you know, what do you look for? What, to, what attributes on the property, where the properties are located, uh, but where do you find that data? 
right? I mean, Ooh, what, yes. where does that come this, from? This is the tricky part, right? Uh, a lot of this is going to depend on where you are in the country because different, even different counties have different laws on what information is available from their public systems as, as well as other systems. So you might be a little restricted on that, but especially if you want to look in other areas of the country than where you're at. Maybe you're in like a coast state where the prices are just really high and you want to maximize the benefit of your dollars. You might look at, hey, maybe I'm gonna go in the Midwest. A great way to start is look at city-data.org, free resource, but you're gonna find a ton of information about demographics, household income, that kind of stuff, median house prices, so that you will know kind of what area or what type of house you're going to be looking for for that kind of middle of the road customer well and and one thing that is you know accessible regardless of where you are is going to be relationships right the yes. relationships that you form with agents with brokers and you you alluded to it earlier i just want to emphasize it's really important that it is a win-win if you are simply if you're being a vampire and you're simply just you know, <laughs> taking and taking and taking without uh, adding any value back to that relationship. It's not a good working professional relationship. And so, um, you know, there's different ways that you can, you can do that to make sure that they are being compensated for what they're doing and that you are uh, creating a win-win. But uh, if you have those good relationships, which we would encourage you to do with, you know, agents and brokers, they can also assist you when you want to, you know, to run comps because they have direct MLS access there are some great paid services as well. Um, you know, different software, a lot of different softwares out there. I know that uh, you and I, we both have uh, a few that we use, that we subscribe to, that gives us basically nationwide MLS access without, yep. so the MLS, the multiple listing service that has, uh, so you can pull and run comps uh, on properties nationwide. So, uh, you know, some of those services are, you know, cheaper and some are a lot more expensive. It just depends on, on how active you are as an investor, but there are also free options as well. And so, uh, you know, there's a lot of the, the different listing sites online where you can go in and basically get access to most of the MLS. And some of them you can even pull, uh, pull sold listings through the <laughs> account for free and simply go in. I exactly love it. what we said, <laughs> pull up the data and run your comps. Yeah. So, so you mentioned a few good ones in there. So direct access through the MLS, it, maybe you're an agent. Now, do you have to be an agent to be a real estate investor? No, I'm not an agent. Ryan, I don't think you're an agent. No. I know a lot of investors that eventually go get their real estate license because they also want to get that money on that side of the table as well, buying and selling properties. But like, for example, one thing that I do, um, I've built some relationships with a couple of agents that if I buy a property that they did, I'm not paying them on the front end because typically the types of properties I'm looking for are gonna need a lot of work. But they can bring me a property that maybe can't be listed and then we can take that and then I'll pay them on the back end when the price is higher. And so they're gonna get paid more on the transaction. And so you just make it a win-win, find ways, everything's a negotiation, this is business. And if you can't find a realtor that's willing to negotiate, move on because there's a lot more out there. Yeah, um, that's a great tip. <laughs> it is because a lot of 
a lot of agents don't have experience working, working with investors or don't want to work with investors. So if you're clear from the get-go about what you want to do, you'll, you'll be able to find one that wants to work with you and is pleased to work with you, creating a great win-win for you and them. Yeah, and, and a lot of that is how you sell it to the, to the agent. What you've got to do is help them realize that people that buy a house uh, retail, they're going to be kind of a one in maybe seven to ten years or once in a lifetime purchase. Whereas we may be buying three, five, ten properties a year if we can develop a good relationship. Now, yep. that is what we call scale. Yeah. Yep. It's a volume business. We're yes, a volume it is. volume business and that's the upside for them. Absolutely. Now, you, you mentioned a couple other ones. Paid services, those can be really good because those will be in areas where some of the free services are not. Now, one of our favorite free services is Redfin. All you have to do is sign up for an account, and as Ryan mentioned, you can actually get basically everything except the concessions data. Yeah. Maybe the, the seller paid for closing costs or left an allowance to replace the carpet or paint or appliances or something like that. Those things don't show up in Redfin, but pretty much everything else does, and it can give you a pretty dang good ballpark. And like I said, if you're doing your free version, do your uh, rough analysis up front, get something under contract, then get, use your relationship for something that you already have under contract, something that you know or that you have a good idea that's going to work. Then you're going to your professionals with maybe a property, a, a lot more highly qualified properties than just shotgunning everything out at your agents. Yeah, yeah, definitely. When we when we ask for a second or third opinion from from an agent from one of the agents we work with, it's because we are ninety nine percent sure that we're that we're there, and uh, so we're very selective about which ones we send to them because we have access so, to all the other software that we use first, and so we vet everything before we ever get to that yep. point. And, and keep in mind, there are tons of other tools out there than besides the ones that we're mentioning. What I'm going to mention is the stuff that I use, and it's it's not because I'm endorsing any product or service. I'm just telling you what I use and why I use it because that's how I use it in my business. I'm not going to sell a product or try and sell you on something that I'm not using myself. Exactly. And that's why today we've looked at running a CMA to pull an FMV or an ARV, or if you want, you get a BPO. Ah, how about that? <laughs> No, we've, I, hopefully this has been a beneficial episode for you guys. I know that uh, for some people this might be completely foreign information. If so, hey, we invite you. Listen to the episode one more time. The second time around, it'll probably make more sense. Um, we tried to slow it down a little bit so that uh, it's a little easier to digest, but this is great information. Even if you're just a homeowner and you're like, hey, what's my property worth? Right? You're wondering where, yep. where you're at, how much equity do you have currently, looking at uh, you know, your debt service versus the market value. You can do it yourself. So it's a great skill to have, uh, whether or not you're investing in real estate, being able to pull that valuation on your property and, uh, and see where you're at. Yeah. All right. So just a reminder, head over to our website, championhustle.com. Remember to get your free seven-day quick start boot camp. And next week, we're actually going to learn how to brainwash yourself into success with our special guest. Love it. See you then, guys. Take care. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Champion Hustle podcast. For more great content and to join our online community, visit us at championhustle.com. Mm -hmm.